0: Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth, but no toothbrush. I don't need to buy
1: that. Oh, a wall strip. Thing. I'm a newspaper uniform, man. And I do
0: believe I want some candy. Ah. I, do it. I don't want to. What's wrong? What's wrong? I'm a little bit of a lie. I'm funny how. I mean, funny like I'm. A- Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Now that I've met you, would you object to never seeing each other again? That is a quote from an Amy Mann song. has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about today. (laughs) This is Little Marty, a podcast about Martin Scorsese and Adam Sandler. My name is... Is Eric Halloween. And
1: my name is Jeremy the Butcher. Eric couldn't Ooh. be happier, could not be happier to be covering uh, what was originally your favorite Scorsese film,
0: After Hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. May, it may uh, or may we'll, not uh, be the same at the end of this uh, run, Yeah, we'll but. find
0: out at the end if my ninth viewing of After Hours made me just... <laughs> Maybe just completely flip around and, and, and just hate this movie. Right. right. It could happen. Could could, could happen. Well happen. You know, Jeremy, uh what's going on right now? Oh oh yeah. So we have a uh, uh before we dive in to the uh you know the Patreon. I feel like I had something I was gonna cover but I forgot. So let's talk about uh uh all the fun stuff that we got coming up over on the Patreon real quick. Yeah, let's talk we about that. Money, money, stuff. money, baby. Ooh, dollars. Cents. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, it's it, you know what? It tomorrow I think is officially Halloween. Or mm. not Halloween. <laughs> fall.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Fall is Halloween in my mind. It's just like a 90-day long Halloween. Uh you know, it, it's officially gonna be fall. we're we're, we're getting into October, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, October is I'm going to say the spookiest month. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. I don't know if everyone agrees with me or if this is going to be like some kind of like uh, Eric did a hot take or something. I don't know. But I think that fall, uh, October is perhaps the spookiest month. Yeah. And we like to cover the spookiest films of all. That's that that's that's correct. Patreon.
1: That is correct. Yeah. we We typically use this opportunity to really do what we want to be doing anyway, which is just... Covering horror movies, <laughs> I think that's uh, that's kind of um, our our bread and butter. You know, we started as a Chucky podcast, and uh, mm. you know, we've moved all around. But man, I, I do love this podcast in the month of October. M- maybe even more than any other month.
0: Oh yeah, and this month, Jeremy, we're doing something special. It's Witch Month. We're mm. doing a Witch Edition. Which of edition. <laughs> uh, yeah, of the uh, you know, the October Patreon? Well, I'll come up with a catchier title. There's some good uh, um, who's on
1: first uh, comedy to be had here with the Witch Editions. Witch.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, instead of hiring uh, writers <laughs> to like write jokes for me, I'm just gonna start going to improv shows, and when they ask for a suggestion, I'll just say like, uh, which which month. And then I'll see what they come up with. I'll mm-hmm. rip it off and use it for our podcast and yeah. we'll make money from it.
1: Right. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. I don't I don't hate it.
0: Anyway, we're doing which month? We're doing uh, Monkey Bone Vember in November, which is pretty self-explanatory, but we will be covering the movie Monkey Bone three to four times in a row. That's happening in November. Uh, and then, of course, Christmas month is coming up. So, Jeremy, we, this is my favorite season for the Patreon. And if I were to tell someone to go and support the show and, and listen to all sorts of bonus content, where would I tell them to go?
1: You would tell them to go to patreon.com slash the doughboys. No, uh, you want to go to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. That's where you can find all of our, uh, you know, award winning material, uh, which, by the way, Eric, I've invented a new award. It's called the mm-hmm. Eric and Jeremy Patreon Award, uh, where we win every year. So head on over, check it out. Uh, especially, I, I will say this too, especially. If you like the show Tales from the Crypt, we have covered a ton of that show. <laughs> we really uh, did. And uh, yeah, I think I have a feeling that in due time, we will return to that show.
0: You know, Jeremy, I, this is worth mentioning because uh, I, I was maybe going to bring this up on uh, on the Patreon, but while we're here, I just realized that I this occurred the same day that I watched After Hours. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have cable now, Jeremy, I, I, I am in a, a an apartment situation that has uh we've got some cable going on here. And I uh Memorial what's the holiday that just happened? Labor Day weekend? Yeah. Is that Sunday? Mm. It's like, you know, a three day weekend, you got that middle day, you're just like doing absolutely nothing with your time. Right. Hanging out around the house. I turn on what is now my favorite channel, Jeremy, the Sci Fi Network. I've always liked it, but now that I have cable and I'm like seeing what the what the world is out the cable world is out there, <laughs> sci-fi is probably the best.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, out of all the channels. I love that.
0: And and Jeremy, here is the main reason. I turn on this damn channel. Middle of the day. They're playing not just child's play one not just Child's Play 2. They're playing the first three Child's Play movies.
1: Whoa. And I had
0: nothing going on that day.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: so I watched... <laughs> I revisited uh, all three Child's Play movies, my friend, and it was a real blast from the past.
1: Yeah, those first three movies are excellent. I think each one of them is great.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, the third one is uh, not the strongest, but it does have a good ending. I, love, I it, yeah. it did... Yeah. I like that. Part third. two is I, like I, I, my favorite, one of my favorite horror movies. It
1: might be the highlight, yeah, for that era. But yeah, and def- but and definitely th- three is almost like Halloween three, where it's like the uh, outlier, you know, a little bit. Um, right. Uh, a little bit of a departure. But still like that ending, that paintball ending. Yikes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeremy... Let's dive into After Hours. So we just watched uh, The King of Comedy. Uh-huh. And now we are watching After Hours. So we're kind of, now now we are officially out of uh, uh, De Niro-verse for a little while, yeah. I think. Yeah, right?
1: and, and officially we are out of the auteur of Scorsese. This is uh, 1985. The auteurs are over. It is the studios have returned to Hollywood, Eric. They are now back in control. And, Mm. you know, uh, uh, directors like Scorsese and Coppola are kind of forced into situations where they have to now make studio uh, films, um, taking jobs just to kind of get by. And uh, this film... As good as it is, uh, really not saying anything negative about the film at all because I, I really do love it quite a bit. Uh, it is a product of that time, you know. Uh, Scorsese, you know, probably wouldn't have made this on his own, um, but you know was was needed needed a job and, and took this. And King of Comedy was a huge flop; nobody saw it. And uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary Easy writers to raging bulls but they they kind of mark uh king of comedy as a, as a little bit of the end of the uh the 70s filmmaker explosion here in america um and uh and this film is a uh, is him just kind of going along to get along i think the next two films we're about to watch here of his including color of money is another one um mm-hmm. but yeah uh interesting time interesting time for film for the landscape of film uh in general
0: um oh yeah okay i'm seeing here on wikipedia that first uh not first film without de niro since alice doesn't live here anymore man yeah. that seems like a long time ago we watched oh, oh that movie oh my gosh yeah and i will in case anyone has not seen alice doesn't live here anymore just as a refresher it is about a woman who moves <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Long running joke on the show. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, so After Hours, directed by Scorsese, a little bit of background on the production. Paramount, so uh, they abandoned the Last Temptation of Christ production, which was a huge disappointment to Scorsese. Uh, it spurred him to focus on independent companies and smaller projects. Uh, offer opportunity was offered to him by his lawyer, Jay Julian, who put him through Griffin Dunn and Amy Robinson's independent group, uh, Double Play Company. The project was called A, S- A Night in Soho, and it was based on the script by Joseph Minion. Uh, the screenplay, not to be confused with The Minions, mm-hmm. by the way.
1: And not to be confused with Last Night in Soho, which is the new Edgar Wright movie. <laughs> right, right.
0: Uh, The screenplay, uh, originally titled Lies, after the 1982 Joe Frank monologue that inspired the story, was written as part of an assignment for his film course at Columbia. Blah, blah, blah. Minion was 26 years old at the time the film was produced. Uh, Okay, Scorsese made his final amendments and it became After Hours. So here we go. Uh, The film, this is interesting to me, I did not know this, was originally to be directed by... Tim Burton, you ever heard of that guy?
1: Yeah, and you know, I think. Oh, so we full disclosure. Uh, Eric and I did uh, a a really great episode of of my other film podcast that is now on hiatus. Double double feature feature uh, about After Hours, and uh, yeah, in my research for After Hours for that show, I actually re- remember some of this stuff. So, like, yeah, Tim Burton is um uh was going to make this movie, which it, I mean. It, I think at the time we even we even said sort of, you know, it, it might be kind of hard to imagine after watching this version of it, but you know, there if you if you watch the film Pee Wee's Big Adventure, that kind of has a similar vibe to this a little bit, actually.
0: Yes. Um. Yeah. I. Maybe we did talk about this a little bit on that on that episode. I can't remember, but. This is like one of those situations where I'm like, I kind of wish like both versions of these existed. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think I ultimately, you know, given one or the other, obviously I would. This mo- this Corsese's After Hours is like one of my favorite movies of all time. But I would love to see Tim Burton do this. I, th- I think it would be, I think it'd be good stuff.
1: Yeah, especially like a Tim Burton from this time frame. This yeah, this time is period. You know,
0: before his. I mean, okay, so his directorial debut was Pee-wee's Big Adventure, or his feature, his which first is, feature. Which is which? What year? Which was '85. Yeah. So this is like, it, it was like either this or after, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, right? <laughs> which is funny. What did, what the hell did Tim Burton do before Pee-wees to like get to that yeah, point?
1: I guess he was an animator, right? And he did Frankenweenie, oh, which was was his his sort of. Swan's his break breakout thing, you know.
0: Got it. Yeah. So diving into the little uh, a little bit of the trivia, Jeremy and I'm sure there's some great stuff. There's always good trivia in the Scorsese ones. The Sandler trivia <laughs> tends to be a little, uh, well, trivial.
1: A little stale. Yeah, it, it, the Sandler trivia is like stuff like Rob Schneider was there. <laughs>
0: Um, Okay, I might be wrong about this trivia because this is what the first entry is. Uh, It says, It would have taken Paul approximately one hour and 47 minutes to walk home. The distance from Paul's uptown apartment, East 91st Street, to Kiki's Soho Loft, 28 Howard Street, near the corner of Crosby, is approximately 5.3 miles, according to Google Maps
1: you know what though it, it, <laughs> that yes that's a very dull uh but i do think what's interesting about that trivia is that the people have nerded out about like the actual route it would take you in new yeah. york and i think that's kind of fun like that's kind of a cool thing like if you lived in new york you'd probably be going okay where are they now like you know picking out landmarks trying to trying to guess like it, it almost like plan your own route. It's like a in 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 a kind of a choose your own adventure way of this of this film. I do that right. with LA all the time where you know, I'll be watching the show love and they'll they'll go like eat dinner at a place that and then go eat dessert at another location that would be, that meant they would have have to dri- driven like 2 hours. <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no way would they have ever gotten dessert at that place if they got dinner there." Um anyway, uh, not fascinating stuff at all to a listener of a podcast, but you know, if you're a if you're a fan of a city, <laughs> maybe.
0: Oh yeah. Um, Martin Scorsese, uh, the director of the movie, who this entire podcast <laughs> uh-huh, is about, right, uh, right? Could not figure out a suitable ending for the film. He asked Brian de Palma, Spielberg, and Terry Gilliam to watch the film so they could give him their opinion mm-hmm. on how the film should end. I wonder which ending he, like, whose idea he went with.
1: I don't know, because this ending seems like it just, like, it was already baked into the idea from the beginning.
0: Yeah, me too. It, it does seem to just fit. Yeah. You know?
1: It seems obvious. I, I wonder, you know, maybe he was just in the weeds with the story and just couldn't see it clearly, and somebody, like, you know, De Palma was like, well, you should just go back to work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Scorsese told Griffin Dunn to refrain from sex and sleep during filming in order to get a more realistic feeling of paranoia. You know, I've been doing this unintentionally (laughs) for
1: years. (laughs) Yeah, dog. Uh,
0: the conversation between Paul and the bouncer at Club Berlin is mostly from Franz Kafka's Before the Law. Mm. That's interesting. Um... Kafka is like one of those writers because Co- Lynch was in- influenced by Kafka I feel yeah. like Kafka is one of those writers that like influenced filmmakers yeah for sure he's
1: he's he's fun and weird and interesting I think um you know uh, he's he's like a he's also like film lit fr- freshman film lit favorite you know like he's kind of like uh you know he's a little he's a little on the nose I think but um but yeah, like uh, definitely you could see Kafka and like Gilliam. I think Soderbergh made the film Kafka. Um, anything that's weird. You ever read any Kafka? Uh,
0: I've read The Metamorphosis and right. I think a couple other short stories that were in just some collection. Right. Yeah, so, so you get good, it. It's good stuff. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, I read them cover to cover. Around, I went. Around, I went around uh, the book, not, <laughs> not through it. Uh, Scorsese designed the film as a parody of Hitchcock's style. What do you think of that?
1: I ca- I like that. I th- I think that fits. Yeah. that seems that actually seems right to me. You know.
0: Um, let's see. Original cut of the film was forty five minutes longer. I mean, I feel like. It's that that's the case with like every movie, but I would like to. This is a movie where I would love to just see the longest possible cut. I know, dude. Imaginable.
1: I, I think I don't, I, 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 you know, I don't really remember what my thoughts were on this film before, or if I mentioned this, but I, I really could watch this movie forever. I think I could just hey, watch it. Hey, did you, and keep
0: going. do you have the Blu ray of this?
1: No, I don't. Interesting. I, watched, I was wondering. It, I watched that, it on the uh, Criterion it. channel. Actually, is is has it on there right now?
0: Oh, are there any features?
1: Um, any? Uh, uh, there might be. I I kind of interesting. Now I now I can't remember.
0: I mean, forty five minutes. There's got to be some some pretty some scenes in there. Some like some some like whole yeah. scenes and characters we're we're missing out on. Um.
1: Right. Right.
0: Oh yeah, of course. We we have to point out the uh the I'm forgetting their names, but Scorsese's parents are in the uh the coffee shop where Paul first meets Marcy. Mhm. Uh, you better believe in, it. Uh the key drop shot, Jeremy. This is interesting. So you, you remember when she drops the key, the roommate drops the key down. That's right. And the camera's all flipping around and stuff. Uh, the camera drops vertically while tra- uh, tracking on Griffin Dunn was done in two takes. In the first take, the camera lens was put, in, put through a hole in a wooden board, and then the board was dropped from the roof with bungee cords. Oh, cool. After the first take was done, uh, producer Amy Robinson, director Martin Scorsese and cinematographer Michael Ballhaus, uh, refused to do the shot like that again for fear of Dunn's safety. According to Robinson, the bungee cords started smoking. Dunn, on the other hand, was obvious, uh, oblivious to the danger, and was ready to do another take. Uh, Ballhouse filmed the second take with a fast crane move. Oh, okay. I thought that that was gonna go somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> and then
1: it, and then Dunn was killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Scorsese described the film's screenplay as being like a Chinese puzzle don't know what that means, but I like it.
1: Uh complicated maybe. Uh
0: the film is included in Roger Ebert's great movies list.
1: Yeah. You know what? This is in my great
0: movies list <laughs> Yeah, too.
1: it's also in my great movies list. I I think this movie is incredibly strong. Uh I remember even thinking that at the time um when we uh when we watched it for double double feature feature, just thinking like Man, I, I probably have that same feeling that when you watch King of Comedy and you were just like, Man, I, I can't believe I missed this, you know? Like this is uh this is too good. I'm I'm surprised this film is, isn't celebrated more, you know.
0: Yeah, I can't hear or say the words King of Comedy without like my brain just <laughs> Thinking picturing of King of Queens. The, oh the King of Queens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Jeremy, just out of curiosity, I want to see what kind of goofs are going on in this movie because there's got be to be a them. couple and of them. There's got to be a couple of course. course Think The continuity ones are annoying, but let's see if there's miscellaneous. June addresses Paul by his name twice, although he never tells her his name. Okay, see, that's not necessary to, to, to point out.
1: <laughs> that's what we call a, a continuity error, yeah.
0: Uh, when Neil and Pepe, oh man, Neil and Pepe, uh, yeah. emerged from June's back, uh, underground apartment, a street sign directly, directly behind them says Spring Street. According to Kiki, Club Berlin is on the corner of West Broadway and Grand, several blocks south of St- Spring. Okay. I'm remembering now why we don't go through the goofs on this. Yeah. On this it's
1: always a bummer. It's always like a bunch of, a bunch of like real deal dorks on there. Just ruining yeah. the movie for everyone.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, so after a long and boring day at work, Paul Hackett, a computer data entry worker meets Marcy Franklin in a local cafe in New York city. So what do we got? We got Paul's like training some new guy, some new kid or something at this, at this place. And then he goes and he's reading Tropic of Cancer Mm -hmm. in a diner cafe or something. He meets this lady. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think of the just sort of the beginning of the setup?
1: The setup of this movie is crazy a little bit, right? It's like uh, something that would never that it's hard hard to believe it happens, you know?
0: (laughs) This right, meeting a a person in real life?
1: Yeah, meeting a me, well meeting <laughs> a stranger like at a diner, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man, I wish that was how life is. I know, still. it's
1: so romantic and so cool and um you know. Yeah, I, I I also wish that was the that was more of the vibe.
0: I spend hours a night Jeremy sitting in local cafes Mm -hmm. Reading Pretending to read Tropic of Cancer
1: (laughs) And just clearing
0: my throat Until people notice (laughs) (laughs) Anyway Marcy uh, Tells him that she is uh, Living with a sculptor named Kiki Bridges uh, Not to be confused with Phoebe Bridges Who makes and sells Plaster of Paris paperweights Uh, resembling cream cheese bagels and leaves him her number. Uh, Later in the night, after calling the number under the pretense of buying a paperweight, Paul takes a cab to the apartment. Uh, On the way, his $20 bill is blown out the window of the cab, leaving him with only some change, much to the incredulity of the cab driver. So, this movie is, like, incredibly real like it it, it 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 plays into like real anxieties and fears that you know i experience i'm sure a lot of other people experience yes. that like that you know his his all of his money flying out the window and just thinking about like how you know in the middle of new york city and how just stressful that situation all these little stressful annoying situations he finds himself in right i get so like anxious tense and yeah. anxious about it and at the same time, there's like the perfect level of just like unrealistic stuff happening. I, like yeah, if the, rides a rides that way, line. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Like it like the way that the the taxi driver is driving insane. Yeah. Like it's just absolutely nuts. <laughs> like if if I if you would have seen that driving scene out of context, you would think it's like a heist movie or something. Right. But somehow it like works. I don't know. It's weird. There's like these really like, it's like a very real premise and and, and real situation. But there, Scorsese gets these little like fantastical moments in where you're. I don't know. It kind of like throws it 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 plays with your mind a little bit. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, it is really cool. It. Um, I think if Tim Burton had done this movie, obviously, especially during this time, it would have been a lot less grounded and i think it would have just been a whole different experience right you know what i mean like um tim burton already does that kind of heightened suburban or that heightened city or that heightened reality um but scorsese made something with this that i think is a lot more interesting which is just like Uh, A very slightly heightened version of a very grounded story. And then every little piece of adventure, just like you said, it really resonates because it's, um, it's all based on in real fears and real phobias and real things that happen, like losing, losing all your money in a cab, you know, the, the, the kind of minutia, the things that happen in New York city that could potentially happen in New York city that, you know, uh, could just really put you in such a bind, you know. I think the right the writing in this is really good of just making you really believe that, like, man, he's screwed. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> um, you know, you know what would have happened, Jeremy, if if Tim Burton had directed this scene, is Paul would not have lost the twenty dollar bill, right? But mm-hmm. he would have he would have gotten to the end of the ride, and he would reach into his pocket mm-hmm. or reach into the back of the seat for the twenty dollar bill. But he would accidentally cut it in half because his scissors or his hands are made of scissors.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: at the apartment, Paul meets Kiki, who is working on a sculpture of a cowering and screaming man. And throughout the visit, comes across several pieces of evidence that imply Marcy is disfigured from burns. As a result of this implication and strange behavior from Marcy, Paul abruptly slips out of the apartment. Um, I think if I were to own any prop from any movie, it would be the cowering and screaming man from After Hours. It would be like my favorite piece of yeah. film memorabilia to own.
1: Would be definitely a great like conversation starter.
0: But what do you think of uh this weird Kiki character?
1: I mean, at, I mean great, right? Who's the uh who's the actor that plays uh Kiki? It's um Linda Florentino, yeah, she's she's awesome. Uh, really, really great performances by everybody in the film. I will also say that, like, uh, comparing this movie to something like Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice or maybe even Punch Drunk Love, like the idea of a prestigious filmmaker director using all these incredible comedic performers is really fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, for example, Cheech and Chong are in this movie, obviously. You know you have Catherine O'Hara and um, Rosanna Arquette and and uh, I think yeah uh, the Linda Florentino who plays Kiki Bridges is uh, great, very funny.
0: Yeah. Um. Let's see here. I was gonna make a joke about how Linda Florentino's name kind of sounds like an Italian, like a dish you <laughs> would order at an Italian restaurant. But I, I'm trying to remember if I I might have actually said that joke on the <laughs> <laughs> Double Double. You guys have got to listen episode. to that episode of
1: Double Double Feature Feature. Yeah. It is it is Man. a trip to go back to. Uh
0: Paul attempts to go home by subway, but the fare has increased at the stroke of midnight. He goes to a bar where Julie, a waitress, immediately becomes enamored with him. At the bar, Paul learns that there have been a string of burglaries in the neighborhood. Uh, The bartender, Tom Shore, offers to give Paul money for a subway token, but he is unable to open the cash register. Uh, They exchange keys so Paul can go to Tom's place to fetch the cash uh, register key. Afterwards, uh, Paul spots two burglars, Neil and Pepe, with Kiki's man sculpture. Uh, After he confronts them, they flee, dropping the sculpture in the process. Man, what a treat it would be to watch uh, Scorsese direct Cheech and Chong.
1: I know, man. <laughs> like, and I just—I bet there was so many many laughs on set, you know, and like, they, I bet they just had a blast.
0: Uh, when Paul returns the sculpture to Kiki and Marcy's apartment, Kiki encourages him to apologize to Marcy. However, when he attempts to do so, he discovers Marcy committed suicide. Uh, Kiki and a man named Horst have already left to go to a place called Club Berlin. Uh, Paul reports Marcy's death before remembering he was supposed to uh, return Tom's keys. Um, this is like one of the funniest things in a movie ever is when he's <laughs> like posting the signs in the apartment that just say dead person <laughs> yeah with arrows pointing. <laughs>
1: Uh, Oh, so, 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 so so funny.
0: Uh, Paul attempts to return to Tom's bar, but it is locked out with a, uh, locked out with a sign indicating that Tom will be back in half an hour. Paul meets Julie again on the street and she invites him up to her apartment to wait for Tom where Paul is unnerved by her own strange behavior. Uh, I like this character. This lady, uh, her name is Verna Bloom, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is the 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 yeah. actress name. that the plays June? Uh, wait, June? Oh, Julie, Terry Gar. Yeah, Terry Gar. Who is June? Um, yes, Terry Gar as Julie. Uh, great performance. Really like this weird character that's like, it's the 80s, but she's like stuck in the like, she's obsessed with like the monkeys still mm-hmm. and stuff. Really strange character. Uh, Let's see here. He then returns to Tom's bar only for Tom to get a call informing him of the death of Marcy, who was his girlfriend. Paul uh, decides to return to Julie's apartment where she begins to sketch his portraits while they talk. Uh, ultimately Paul rejects Julie's advances and leaves uh in search of Kiki and Horace to inform them of Marcy's suicide he goes to club berlin where a group of punks attempt to shave his head into a mohawk uh, narrowly escaping Paul meets a woman named Gale an ice cream truck driver who eventually mistakes him for the burglar plaguing the neighborhood and she and a mob of local residents relentlessly pursue him <laughs>
1: yeah um again like to get to you know for those people who haven't seen it out there which i we always recommend you watch the films um you know but if you didn't get a a chance to the vibe of this film again is that it's taking place over one night and as as you're as as uh you know uh paul is experiencing all of these Little beats in his story, little beats in his adventure. You're becoming progressively more exhausted along with Paul. (laughs) Like as it's happening, Um, this film really does a good job of making you feel like you've been up all night yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, so when when you uh, when you're seeing these things that isolated may just seem like oh that's kind of funny or that's kind of cute. Keep in mind that they're all dog piling on top of each other on top of Paul. I mean, I don't know. That's kind of my feeling, Eric. What do you think? Is that similar to how you feel about the movie?
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I like the way you put that. It does feel like you're you're like up all night with this movie. Um, and like I don't know, like this moment, I don't like I. If you've ever, I mean, everyone's had those nights where you stayed up all night. Like at this point in the movie, we're at like 4 a.m. and it's like nothing good is going to happen at that time. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like. Just so bizarre. I love the, I love this version of New York and just seeing these like empty streets and the, it's just so weird and it's good. And yeah, and to echo what Jeremy said, we, we do recommend that you watch every movie uh, for the, for these podcast episodes except for the Paul W. S. Anderson. I knew it. I knew you
1: were going to say that.
0: (laughs) Uh, He meets a man who he asks for help. And the man assures that he is looking for a gay hookup. Paul finds Tom again, but the mob with the assistance of Julie Gale and Gale's Mr. Softy truck pursues Paul. Paul discovers that as payback for rejecting her, Julie used his image in a wanted poster that names him as the burglar. Um, Oh yeah. And she, she works at that print shop. I didn't put that together. um, he ultimately seeks... Because I was trying to figure out, like, how the hell would was she able to get these wanted posters up in the middle of the night? Right. Um, he ultimately seeks refuge uh, back at Club Berlin. Mm-hmm. Paul uses his last quarter to play Is That All There Is by Peggy Lee and asks a woman named June to dance. Paul explains he is being pursued, and June, also a sculptor who lives in the club's basement offers to help him. She protects him by pouring plaster on him in order to disguise him as a sculptor while the mob searches the club for Paul. However, she will not let him out of the plaster even after the mob leaves, and it eventually hardens, trapping Paul in a position that resembles Kiki's sculpture. Uh, Neil and Pepe then break into Club Berlin and steal him, (laughs) placing him in the back of their van. This ending is crazy.
1: This is is truly so crazy. Also... How many how many bodies are there? June, <laughs> how many how many times have you done this to people and they've just like right. never gotten out of the sculpture?
0: <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh he falls from the van right outside the gate to his office building as the sun is rising. Paul brushes himself off and goes to his desk, bringing the film full circle. Yeah, honestly like the best possible ending. I mean, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, it's right there it's in the description. Stuff. Bringing him, uh, bringing the film full circle. And that's what you want, oh, yeah. you know. In a way.
0: So, I'm trying to figure. I'm okay. June. Oh, June is played by Verna Bloom. Verna. That's Bloom. that's who I was referring to earlier. Um, okay, so Jeremy, we've seen After Hours multiple times. How do you feel about the movie now?
1: Honestly, again, this is, like, one of my favorites. I I just really love it. (laughs) I think it's good. I think it became one of my favorites after we watched it in Double Double Feature Feature. It ages really, really well. It's a fun movie. I'm also really into movies that take place over the course of one day or one night. Like, I'm a huge Dazed and Confused fan. Like, um, I just love that. I love that vibe uh, so much. You know, Clerks, you know, obviously... Um, you know, Mallrats. I, I, uh, and Mallrats was, by the way, the other film you chose for the double feature, Mallrats and After Hours. Um, yes,
0: that was my theme. I was like a, f- a film that uh, takes place during an entire day and an entire night.
1: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, anyway, so uh, I'm going to give this film a whopping 3.25 out of 4. Chucky Freckles. I have not given a film in the 3 point anything's yet. So this is I like this film 0. 0.25 better than The Wedding Singer.
0: Wait, you haven't given anything above a th-
1: I've given three. F- I've given th- fours and then threes, but nothing uh, like 3.25, 3.5. Oh, I see. Yeah.
0: I see. Let's see here.
1: Which by the way, I think that scores you know, it's a nearly perfect score. It just, you know, I, I mean, I think that, you know, it's, it's not raging bull. That's what I'll say. It's not raging bull. (laughs) Uh, but it is, it's not Billy Madison, but it is, uh, it is way, way up there.
0: Um, yeah, I love this movie. I, I I could watch it. It, it was great to have another excuse to watch it. I probably would have watched it rewatched it around now anyway because I haven't seen it in about a year. It's just one of those. uh good stuff. I honestly I mean I don't know uh, I it's it's kind of like one of those where it's like the perfect movie for me and what I'm looking to get out of uh, out of a film. It's funny. it's incredibly weird and it's like also kind of re- relatable. On many levels, and uh, it's just it, it. I don't know. It's just really it's it's really good. I also do really like just this era, this bizarre mid eighties era of films. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something weird about that about that time. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I did give King of Comedy four out of four, and I do stand by that. And I do personally like. I think After Hours is, like, on par with King of Comedy. Yeah. I'm just, my, all right, I'm going to give it a four out of four. Yeah. But,
1: <laughs> I think that's, that feels really true to you, you know, because the one I thing I it, don't yeah. have with After Hours is the nostalgia factor, which is something that yes. you do have, so.
0: Yes. And I'm I'm going through, I'm trying to see, okay, I haven't given out too many fours. So I've given three fours, King of Comedy, After Hours, and Billy Madison,
1: better believe it
0: hell yeah jeremy next oh oh also we should we should mention we are covering uh uh rest in peace to norm mcdonald yeah and uh we we had planned to cover um dirty work for the sort of supplemental adam sandler material on our patreon um and we will we we will be uh you know We'll be talking about dirty work over there. Yeah,
1: we'll be eulogizing the great Norm Macdonald.
0: Oh yeah, and uh, Jeremy, what do we have going on? What what is the next Sandler movie? It is it Punch Drunk?
1: I believe it. He did that right after Little Nicky. <laughs> 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 that's uh, that's super funny. Yeah, let's let's see. Let's just give it an old look see here. Um, so the nerds out there can get ready. We love you, nerds. Loading the page. You know, Adam Sandler's IMDb page takes extra long to load because there's so many credits, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, I'm sure.
1: He's a real credit ho- credit hound. We did, yes, Big Daddy, Little Nicky. Oh, no, it's not Punch Truck. I'm sorry. It's actually uh, the movie The Animal, Eric, we have to watch The Animal.
0: <laughs> how, how big of a role is he playing I'm in I'm kidding, the I'm kidding. He just play, okay, he plays right. he
1: plays a townie. Yeah, it's punch drunk, which I am more nice. than ready to revisit that film. I mean, we we just did it for our, uh West versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator um podcast and I, I'm I'm down to do it again if you are. I don't know.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Always down.
1: Now, the film after that is Eight Crazy Nights. I don't know if I'm quite ready to <laughs> cover that again.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know what? I might just release that Patreon episode yeah. for free. Yeah. I can think,
1: yeah, then we could it. take a week off. We could take a vacation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah uh, I. Uh, but I am excited, uh, actually, to after Eight Crazy Nights, so this will be like six weeks from now, uh, we'll actually be watching um, Anger Management. Which is a film... Yes. I think that might have been my first... Oh, no. Uh, no, sorry. Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds comes after Punch Drunk. My bad. But Mr. Deeds is, my, I think, my first actual uh, Sandler in theaters.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. What was yours?
0: You said Mr. Deeds comes after Anger Management? No.
1: Sorry. I... I, I I, I skipped mr deeds and went right to Eight crazy Nights. so punch Drunk love comes out and then uh um mr deeds and eight crazy nights so mr deeds will be not yeah
0: mr yeah. deeds must have been mine must have been mine as well
1: yeah that was, that was my first man he's got uh maybe we
0: were at the same screening i was in te- i did see it in texas
1: Maybe, yeah. I, no, that, I'm kidding. That's, uh, yeah, if you went to the Grapevine Mills Mall, you would have seen me there watching that movie.
0: Yeah, I was there, dude. Saturday, 4.30 show.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Saturday, um, uh, uh, August 26th. <laughs> I just made up the <laughs> time. By the way, 2002, that's a hot year for Sandler. He made three films, dude. He made Punch Drunk, Mr. Deeds, and Eight Crazy Man. Nights.
0: <laughs> oh, I haven't made any this year.
1: Mm-mm. me neither, yeah.
0: So, uh, stay tuned for that. Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy for all your supplemental content needs. And, uh, yeah. Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Mm -hmm.